Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Unheard. Things are getting interesting on the Rio Grande River that separates Mexico from the United States. In December alone, Border Patrol agents processed 70,000 migrants and asylum seekers who crossed into American soil. In response, Texas Governor Greg Abbott ordered the National Guard to fortify the border and Convoys of self-described patriots, Christian nationalists, and other activists have arrived to support the efforts of the governor, a kind of citizen army intent on defending America's borders. Journalist Johan Grillo is no stranger to the tensions on this border. For many years, he has been investigating Latin American drug cartels and recently got up close with human traffickers, ransom victims, and criminal gangs for a special dispatch for Unheard. He's just returned from the Rio Grande, and he joins us live from Mexico City, where he lives, to tell us what he witnessed. Welcome. Hi, Freddie. Good to be here. So you got back a couple of days ago. Give us the update. What is the, the mood on the Mexican side of the border? Because we hear quite a lot about the American side. What's it like living right up there on the Mexican side? When we talk about the Mexico-US border, it's 2,000 miles long, with a lot of different places, with desert and with the river and so forth. And I went to Piedras Negras, a city on the Mexican side, opposite the Texan city of Eagle Pass. And that Eagle Pass has been a bit of a ground zero in the current uh, debates, fights over the border. This is where, with one of the biggest crossing points for migrants going over, and this is where the Texan governor took over a park, Shelby Park, and it got the Texan National Guard soldiers to fortify that with barbed wire, barricades, and where a lot of the, the convoy of take our border back convoy went down there to try and support these efforts. Now, one thing you see right now, in December, November, December, this was absolutely, you know, huge numbers of migrants crossing this area. And right now, it's very quiet compared to that. And is that because of the National Guard and the citizen convoys effort? The biggest reason, really, and one thing you see, it's seen again and again over the last 10 years where you've had, you know, we've really covered repeated border crises for a decade now. They keep on coming up and go down a bit. And what really slows them down each time is the Mexican army very heavily stopping migrants go to certain places. You saw this, you know, uh, uh, President Obama very openly said we've made a deal with the Mexican president. Trump was more like, oh, we're going we're gonna to be very aggressive. But now, yeah, the Mexican president is giving us soldiers. And then you saw again right now deals uh, and a lot of discussions between President Biden 
and President Lopes Obrador of Mexico. So those efforts that you're describing on the Mexican side, what are they exactly? Are they stopping them at the border or are they stopping them from even getting to the border? What's happening inside Mexico that's making the difference? Generally before they get to the border. So stopping them, taking them off freight trains, taking them off buses. And putting them where some, though? What do they do with them? Uh, in some cases, they'll, they'll take them back to the uh, to, to countries in Central America. In some cases, they're busting them back. Some cases, they're putting them into immigration facilities. In some cases, they're just uh, just pushing them back and stopping them getting to these areas. Then they'll move round. Now, one thing you have also seen is, whereas this particular corridor was very quiet right now, of Eagle Pass, Piedras Negras, you have seen an uptick in migrants crossing the desert area, particularly of the Nogales, walking over the desert there. So inside Mexico, I guess what's different now is that a lot of the people coming to the border and across it aren't Mexican. I think Mexicans are in this minority, small minority now, of people making that crossing. It's a, it's a strange development for Mexico as a country. You live there. What is it like? Yeah, so this has been something that's been happening over a decade and has got the difference is more acute now. So it used to be for, for a long time and the first decade that I was here reporting on the migration was Mexicans going to work in the United States, generally sneaking over the border between the ports of entry. And then from 2014, you start seeing this big shift, first to Central Americans and then to South Americans and then really the whole world. It's not completely new. There's been for some years uh, Chinese nationals found on the southern border as well as people from, you know, from across the world. You now have the smuggling networks, which are, the, they call them the polleros, the, the chicken herders or the coyotes. They're really linked and global networks now. So they'll have groups of Chinese people will be able to link up to people in Mexico and say, okay, we've got some people who want to move over here and they can move them that way. And I think that's what's really happening. As it becomes popular, it becomes... Uh, you know, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. So we see these, you know, biggest numbers ever overall in 2023. And it could just carry on getting bigger and bigger with people from around so the globe. This is where it kind of dovetails with your earlier work with the cartels, doesn't it? Because as you describe in your most recent piece, the cartels on the Mexican side pretty much control the border and are involved deeply in the people smuggling. Tell us about that. How, how does that work? If you go back, say, to the 1980s, uh, then you had people smugglers then. And they would simply be somebody you go up, right at the border post, and you pay like $200, and they'd sneak you over the border in the back of a truck or find you a place, you know, in the fence and you'd sneak over. Gradually, as you've had more defences on the border and more demand, these have become bigger and bigger organisations, and the very violent drug cartels have taken over. So now the prices that I was hearing right now on this trip from Central America is like $15,000 for somebody to go. That has to go from a village in Honduras, maybe to right to Chicago. Right from there, from Piedras Negras, for people who could pay, it was like $8,000 to pay human smugglers to cross and get in. And what are they paying for? So, so, so now one of the things they're paying, as well as the guarantee to get to the place, to, to the transport through, they're really paying protection from the cartels themselves and from this kidnapping. Now, I was at the, the, the uh, hostel in Piedras Negras, which is very right next to the border, 
although there was not a lot of movement on the river as there was all the TV cameras and politicians and soldiers there, there was still a lot of people at the hostel planning trips over. And a lot of them had come out of recent kidnapping. Uh, one guy who just arrived uh, was from Cuba and had been in a taxi and the taxi had handed him into the gangsters who held him and they got his family in Cuba to send $2,000. I mean, it was all they could get from him, $2,000 for his release. And they're doing this again and again and again. So these, these cartels are kind of making, they've got two revenue streams here. <laughs> they're kidnapping and preying on these people as they're moving up through Central America. And then if you want to not be kidnapped, you can pay them to take you all the way and they'll charge you again. Yeah, exactly. And also sometimes the, the people who are paying, they'll go through better routes. Sometimes even pay more. You can go through tunnels under the border. There's people who are going over in false documents. Uh, there's people. So there's people who are going in boats around still. There's still many ways they're going across there. Now, about this is about the kidnapping. And it's, it's very, very brutal. And you have people sometimes who are held in these places and beaten quite badly. And one of the, the tragedies, is these are some of the poorest people in the, you know, very poor and desperate people who are then being kidnapped. So they're, they're, they're preying on them. Now, two, three thousand dollars might not seem a lot, but they're doing it on an industrial scale. When you have this huge number of people going there, there's enormous amounts of targets for them to kidnap. What about on the US side then? Because there's been a lot of talk about, obviously, the National Guard, the state of Texas defending its own frontiers for the first time because the federal government haven't been doing it properly. And then these citizen convoys, what, what are they trying to do and what impact are they having? One of the things is that they still have this issue of asylum and many people now are able to claim asylum. So if they, the way they're seeing it, the way people are seeing it is they're from the Mexican side where they're about to cross. They can try and apply for asylum and go through a difficult you know, computer process on the computer and often not get an appointment or they simply cross into the United States and say, I want to claim asylum here. And they are being accepted in very, very big numbers. So because of that huge magnet, you know, people are continuing to cross. And whereas the Trump administration, the Biden administration, they, they're making it more difficult for asylum, they, they, the asylum law is still there and is still intact. And that's a huge magnet that's pulling people. Although we read that there's this big standoff almost a clash between the Texas troops and the federal troops. You observed them getting on pretty well. Tell us about that. It's a very hot topic in the United States, this idea of federal power, state power. Could there be a new civil war in the United States? And this almost seemed like a first action in that, you know, the Texas is going to take over the border from the federal government. First, you've had Texan National Guard being involved in the border for some years. It's not completely new, this at all. Uh, then you have on the ground, you know, they say, well, we're not going to allow Border Patrol into the park, but they're actually cooperating and working together. What about the Citizen Army? Did you see them pitching in as well? There was a big speech by the governors uh, in the Shelby Park and, you know, with all of these Humvees in the back and these you know, military boats in the back and so forth, they didn't actually allow the convoy in there, which is interesting. They didn't think that was good optics or maybe it was an insecurity thing. So they were outside. Now, a lot of them had been on a ranch. There was only about 300 or a few hundred 
of these people came down to Eagle Pass. Um, and what kind of people were they? Retired airline mechanic uh, and his wife, retired school teacher, who had come on their camper from Florida and they picked up some other people and they're all, you know, talking, saying we're all good Christians and they were all um, in, a, in quite a kind of festive uh, spirit there. A few people had uh, guns, but I didn't see them use, I, I didn't see them making any kind of difference or actual effort in this. So I think perhaps from both sides, at least so far, there's a certain overhyping in, in, you know, really what's happening there. It wasn't like, you know, the American people have, 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 have mobilised and taken over the border here. What about Trump? I mean, he is obviously closely associated with this issue. What's his reputation inside Mexico? What do you think potential migrants think about a potential President Trump Mark II? When Donald Trump first arrived, and there was an immediate lowering of numbers. There was this idea, okay, Donald Trump is all going to change, Donald Trump's coming in, and numbers went down. But then they began to recuperate over his time, and people kind of realised, well, this hasn't really changed the fundamentals. You can see the numbers, and during the Trump administration, there were lower border crossings than the Biden administration. I mean, they are very, very high right now. For some of the activist base, uh, the kind of uh, migrant activist base, they're you know, very angry with Biden that he's still making it more difficult or, or, or throwing some people back, but he hasn't made these big efforts and you've just seen the numbers you know, increase and increase. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
is it fair to blame him? I mean, that's the political question, isn't it? Uh, conservatives and Republicans will pretty much say that he's encouraging it. He has something akin to an open border policy. And that's what you see in the numbers, that people are coming in in numbers never before seen. Uh, he's not being serious about tackling it. He's not making life in any way difficult for uh, illegal immigrants. And therefore, people are going to carry on coming. Do you think that's a fair charge? I think it is fair to say that the numbers have increased and it hasn't been addressed. Now, this also then ties in people with the critics then tie in kind of three issues, really. The immigration numbers, which, as we discussed, are very, very high. The fentanyl fentanyl coming over the border. Now, most of that fentanyl, it's a bit different, really, because the fentanyl is mostly coming through the ports of entry. When I say ports of entry, the official crossings. It's mostly coming in vehicles or on people being taken into the United States, often, often people with American passports who are taking it over. Now, it is a very, very big, bad issue with more than 100,000 people dying of overdoses. I mean, that's quite incredible. That's quite an incredible issue, incredible public health crisis. But it's, it is separate from simply these kind of in-between-the-border posts. And then the violence of cartels in Mexico, you know, which is a lot of this happening close to the border. I mean, the current administration has been weak on this. What I will say is these are really Herculean challenges. My guess would be that a lot of ordinary people watching or people who haven't thought a great deal about it might just say, well, why can't they just make it illegal to claim asylum once you're already inside? Why can't you say you only claim asylum outside the country and that if you try and claim asylum once you're in, you get kicked out? I guess the concept of asylum is your life's in danger and you're running. So when we look at the asylum issue, uh, you know, here in, in Latin America particularly, um, you have a lot of people, say you have people from Venezuela, a lot of them are claiming asylum. So say if you have somebody who's in Venezuela and a government, a militia linked to the government in Venezuela uh, will come and threaten this person and say, you know, we're going to kill you unless you pay money. And this person has their number up and they leave the country and they flee to the United States. So the idea is they, they, they couldn't do it from their own country because their life was in danger. But at now, this point, they're in Mexico. It's very, yeah. so, it's so, equivalent so, to what we've got here in the UK with migrants crossing yeah. the channel from France. By the time you're in France, your life is not in danger anymore. Yeah. So I guess to, to, to kind of create a, and that, that would be a reasonable policy if they have a discussion there to say, you can't claim asylum from if you're crossing through a third country. So if people were fleeing Mexico because of violence, they could still arrive in the United States and claim asylum. But if they are fleeing Honduras or Jamaica and went through Mexico, they could say, that, that, that could be a, a, they have kind of attempted around that. I think part of the thing is there's been no, there's been no discussion about this, I think, publicly in the United States. I think a lot of people don't really have a sense of asylum versus the other, other, other migration. Presumably it's going to become harder and tougher migration policy everywhere because it's it feels like it's not just a u.s issue this i don't believe this line that all these people are making up these asylum claims i think there are a lot of very very legitimate uh cases and i and i've talked to some people who are you know they, they've got like they had like various bullet wounds and they they ran there's, there's a lot of countries in latin america right now we have a situation with this organized crime 
working with corrupt elements of the states who are really going after people and people are fleeing that. So I think many of the claims are legitimate. Not every single one, but many of the claims are legitimate. The thing is, I think, with the vast numbers or a lot of these laws were kept in place for a long time because they were tended to be with smaller numbers of kind of high-profile political prisoners and so forth, and now it's become big, mass numbers. And now, you can't move the entire population of South America to North America, nor Africa yeah. to Europe. Yeah. So yeah. something has the, the to numbers change. Are, numbers are very big. However, I have been surprised covering this and you know you say it seems logical that the united states would change asylum and so forth i have seen covering this that there hasn't been despite the border being a really big issue in the united states for some years there hasn't really been this discussion over okay what's the asylum law itself should we change the asylum law itself on the democrat side it tends to be a policy of we welcome people and yet trying to enforce the the border quite hard, trying quite hard in practice. Obama actually deported more people than President Trump. So actually, there, there, was, there was some easier targets in a way for it. There was a lot of people with enemy with criminal records that could be deported. They actually kind of, and, and the, the activists will call him, you know, Obama deporter in chief. He actually deported higher numbers there. America has, has done well as an economy for very many years because there's, constant influx of undocumented migrants and so forth. So there's probably some quite hard discussions to have in the United States. And around the border, we don't really see that. And I think we can say that from, from either side. And I was talking at, you know, in on the border there, I was talking with, with a couple of people who came down who were more kind of hardline border security kind of sympathizers. But they were saying, seeing the reality on the border, you see this kind of farce on both sides. And you see how the Republicans also have an incentive structure to keep this problem in place because what are the Republicans running on exactly in 2024? The border is what they're running on. Final question for you, Johan. I'm curious, in Mexico City, where you live, is it the same as other cities where sort of liberal-minded, more educated people are basically pro-migration and less educated poorer people are less enthusiastic about it? Or how does it work inside Mexico where there's this huge dominant sense of the country to the north where so many people want to go? In Mexico itself, you've got now some mixed feelings about all of these immigrants coming through Mexico. Uh, I wouldn't say that crosses a, you know, along, divides along class lines in that sense. I would say in some sense, some of the, the kind of middle class people who are trying to uh, build businesses, so forth. Uh, they say, well, well, while we then then now facing this number of migrants coming over, we don't really know who they are. So you also have a certain resentment or certain uncomfortableness from some people in Mexico about that. You also then in Mexico City now have a big influx of Americans and wealthy Americans coming to the nicer neighborhoods of Mexico City. Mexico City is actually, you know, like uh, despite the incredible violence in parts of Mexico. Mexico City is relatively low in terms of violence and is a really nice place in certain neighbours. So you've got a lot of digital nomads, a lot of Americans coming down. So there's also a certain resentment among you know, people in Mexico, including among middle-class Mexicans, about, oh, how come my rent's going up? Because now I'm competing with Americans who are digital nomads. Uh, and then still among a lot of, a lot of you know, poor people in Mexico, this aspiration to go to the United States 
and to work. Now that actually, with all of this trafficking business and these cartels, is becoming more difficult for a lot of Mexicans because the prices now, you know, ten thousand dollars so forth to try and pay for the cartels, pay for the human smugglers to take you over. You know, some of the other people from around the world are paying that, but not the poor people in Mexico themselves. But so it could reach a tipping point. I'm just speculating here, where if Mexico becomes against the migration, I mean, you you spoke about a couple of different factors there. It could just reach a, a point where Mexicans say enough is enough. We don't want all of these foreign people from around the world marching through our country trying to get into America. We're going to stop it at our southern border. Do you think that's possible? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, right now, I mean, you have a lot of people also who do claim the refugee status uh, asylum in Mexico. So a lot of people who are coming from these different countries end up applying for it here, or, or some just see this place as stages go to the United States. There was, you know, there has been an incident. There's some of these times where you have these hostels for migrants in Mexico City. They suddenly become overflowing with people, and then you get people coming from these neighborhoods saying, you know, we can't handle, you know, suddenly a thousand people on our street from all over the place. So you get these tensions there as well. Um, but also, you you know, again, it's, it's a mixed thing. You have a certain, you know, sometimes when you have these uh, migrant caravans going through, you have people who are standing online and giving them water um, and people who are just, you know, finding a way, you know, making some, some money out of this. And then simply all of the cartels finding this is a big way for us to get all, you know, get, get as much money as we can from them. But yeah, they could be in the future. I mean, we'll see how big the numbers get. But when you get this kind of Mexico's become this real place of contention to soak up this politics, often doing the job. Uh, however, it does give it as well. It does give this gives Mexico this very powerful bargaining chip with the United States. Now, Mexico is now the biggest trading partner with the United States. Over half a trillion dollars worth of trade goes over the border every year. And anything you know any conditions in that trade mexico can say if you don't you know do this or this we can allow more migrants through right so, so actually in a way trade. it's an advantage for them to keep it going to some extent because it's a bargaining chip with the us yeah yeah like you see it's it's very interesting you see um kind of this migration issue used by all of these different political forces on on different sides democrats republicans mexico and people can see these ways to play that and you had something along that lines happened. There was just a new news story came out um, of alleged campaign financing by a drug cartel to the current Mexican president some years ago. And he was very angry about this and said, oh, this is some US State Department plot to make me look bad. And he said, oh, this could affect our cooperation, stopping all these migrants if you're going to start hitting us, accusing us of being involved with drug traffickers. And Biden very quickly made a phone call personally to the Mexican president. And they said, oh, we, we, you know, things are working out and we've got cooperation still going. So you definitely see the bargaining chip used there. Johan, thank you so much for telling us about it. We'll get you back on soon. Great to be here. That was Johan Grillo. You can read his dispatch from the Rio Grande at Unheard. Interesting to hear from the other side and be reminded what an important role Mexico itself will play in this issue whether it is Trump or Biden or someone else in November. Thanks for tuning in. This was Unheard. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited-edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea's sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code MOM.